0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who gives us a heritage of faith that both we are a part of in receiving and of transmitting. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't know if any of you have done any kind of research into your family tree, into your ancestors, if you know any of their stories, but if you get into that kind of thing, usually the thing that I hear hear from people is that they end up finding something of a surprise. They end up finding somebody in their family tree that uh, just doesn't quite fit into the rest of the family tree maybe for your family tree maybe that's somebody who was extraordinarily great maybe you have like kings or queens or princesses or princes in your family tree or maybe you have uh, some of the other types of people maybe you have a horse thief in your family tree Maybe you have somebody who, well, is a traitor. Maybe you have somebody who you you don't necessarily feel that good about being in your family tree in the first place. Maybe your family tree is a little bit different. Maybe you can trace it back and you can trace back to a moment where there was somebody from a different ethnicity that came into your family and and that made kind of a little bit of a difference. Or maybe you can trace back to your family tree and you can trace back to a point in which there was a religious divide in your family. And whatever it is, we all kind of can get that sense of going back in our family tree in time, thinking about the... That lineage and being kind of surprised about who's there. Maybe that's a good surprise and maybe it's well sort of a scandalous surprise but a surprise nonetheless. Well, today we're talking about somebody who's a little bit of a surprise in the family tree of Christianity, and her name is Lydia. And we, we arrive at her story, which is a kind of a great story. It's sort of this watershed moment in the book of Acts. It's this moment in which Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, joins in with Paul. And we realize that because he starts using the pronoun we. He, he starts to, to join along, and he joins along at this, this very moment where we sort of open things up. Now, the background on this is that uh, Paul has been sort of grounded by the Holy Spirit, and for whatever reason, the powers that be in the lectionary committee chose not to include that, but it's an important part here. Paul is sitting around, and he's sort of twiddling his thumbs a little bit, and he's kind of going, well, I don't know where to go because I want to go here, and then I get this message from the Holy Spirit that I'm not supposed to go there. And so we, we get this sense that Paul is just itching to go somewhere, and on top of that, he, he gets this sort of dreamlike message from God, this dreamlike vision where uh, a man who is from Macedonia, there's something about this man that, that betrays him as a Macedonian, Go, comes to Paul in this dream and says, we need some help. And Paul takes that as this moment of saying, okay, that's what we need to do. We need to go to Macedonia. And it's kind of interesting that, that the way that the story is, plays out from here kind of changes. All of a sudden, we get all of these geographical details. If if you're reading along in that part of, of Acts, all of a sudden, we, we sort of get all of these, these notions of like, okay, this place and then that place. Before this in the book of Acts, it's kind of, well, not quite so precise. But all of a sudden, you get Luke joining in. And Luke is like, no, we started here and then we went here. And so we, we know exactly where they went. So Luke tells us that they go from where they were to the the coast, and then they go to the city of Philippi, which is 11 miles inward from the coast. And there in Philippi, they, they encounter this woman named Lydia. Now, Philippi is a really, really fascinating place in its time. Because Philippi is like little Rome at the time. Philippi is, is basically, it, it's in southern Europe. But it, it, it acts and behaves as if it were Rome. It would be like if you traveled to some place in uh, South America or some place in Asia. And there you found a, a sort of American city. You, you found a place where, where everything was, was just so American. That everybody was speaking and they had a, a, an American accent, they were eating McDonald's, they were doing all of these sort of American things. And that's what it was like to be a part of Philippi, except instead of being American, it was Roman. And everybody in Philippi, it was like they were cosplaying being Roman, they, they, were, they were trying to pass themselves off as Romans, and Rome even approved of this. Rome even said that this place was, had a particular distinction, that it was like a Rome outside of Rome. And so, knowing how Roman Philippi is, is an important part of this story. Because one of the things that came along with being Roman was the color purple. And not just the color purple, but a particular kind of purple, a particular kind of purple that came from a particular kind of dye called Tyrian purple. And if you wanted to be like a Roman, you needed to have at least a little bit of this dye in your clothing. If you weren't so well-to-do, maybe it was just a little bit of the fringe of your garment. If you were super well-to-do, maybe it was like your entire tunic, but you needed this color. Without it, you were outed as an outsider. Some of you know that I moved to this country when I was in seventh grade. I know what it would have felt like in order to walk into Philippi and not have some of this purple on. Because that's what I did in seventh grade. I walked into this country and I was about at least three years behind in fashion. I did not look like any of the rest of seventh graders. I did not wear the same kinds of things that they did. I looked very strange for all of them. I looked exactly normal for how I thought I was supposed to look. But I remember during that time that there were a couple of brands of jeans. And this is so silly, but there were a couple of brands of jeans. Uh, Z Cavarici, which I don't even think exists anymore, and Guess Jeans. And those were the things. You had to have those brands If you were going to be a middle schooler back in my day, that was like wearing purple. And this purple dye, well, it came from this woman named Lydia. This woman named Lydia who her and her cohorts would go out to the coast probably and they would pick up a sea snail. This sea snail called the Murex trunculus. And they would bash open the sea snail so that they could get to it. And then they would cut out a teensy, weensy little gland out of the sea snail. And they had to cut these things out of these sea snails, which smelled awful, by the way. And mash them up together. And that is what made the dye that made these purple garments that were so valuable to these people that were trying to be Roman. And so into that setting, Paul walks into Philippi. He looks around for a synagogue. He doesn't find one. Why doesn't he find one? Well, a synagogue isn't a Roman thing. He doesn't find a synagogue there because they've probably kicked out any of the Jewish men that have lived in Philippi. And instead, all of them are forced to meet in uh, what is called a proskuneo, a place of prayer outside of the city. And these things would have been found a lot of times by rivers in order to remind Jews of the River Jordan. And there he finds... Uh, It seems like just a whole bunch of women gathered together and it seems like Lydia's at the head of it. Now, you can almost start to begin to formulate a picture about who this Lydia lady is. Lydia is this woman who, she's kind of a, a, she's she's a businesswoman, she has gotten this together, she's okay smelling terrible, she's also uh, okay kind of running her own business and being who she is, she lives in Philippi, she does business in Philippi, and yet she's okay going outside of the city walls to worship. You can start to begin to get this picture about who Lydia is as she's out there worshiping the God Yahweh. And yet, it's sort of strange that she's worshiping him. Because had she been near a synagogue, she probably wouldn't have been allowed in the synagogue because of what she did for a living she would not have been allowed in because the thing that she did by taking those murex snails and breaking them open would have made her ritually unclean. And so she would have been worshiping this God that she knew she could never go to his temple. She knew that she could never be accepted in one of his synagogues. She was out there worshiping him as the true God and yet with a little bit of dissonance in her life. And into that walks this guy named Paul. And Paul comes in and talks to her and talks to the other people that are gathered there with her about this Jesus. This Jesus that would include her no matter what her ethnicity was. This Jesus that would include her no matter what her job was this Jesus that would include her no matter what her background was, that all she needed to do was believe that he died on the cross in order to save her from her sins, that she could become a part of this movement of his in the world called the church, called the way. It must have been such great news for her. And such great news that she ends up getting baptized and not just her, but her entire household. You can almost imagine that all of the ladies that were with her at the Riverside, they probably got baptized as well. And all of the people that worked for her and all of these different people that were making all of this exquisite fashion were like, yeah, I'm a Christian. And you can imagine... What kind of an effect that had in the region of Philippi as Lydia invited Paul and Luke and the other disciples into her home to use it as a headquarters. And you can imagine the effect that that would have had as the word of Christ. And his acceptance, the word of Christ and his forgiveness began to radiate out from Philippi. And we know that it continued to do that because later on Paul is locked up in jail and he's writing a letter to Philippi. And he's saying things about how faithful they are. We know that if we were somehow able to look back into the, the DNA, the ancestry of, of our Christianity that probably a few of us could maybe link our Christian ancestry all the way back to this Lydia, all the way back to this, this woman who heard the good news of Jesus Christ, including her, into his kingdom. And how she then went and witnessed to that good news to other people. And how those people then witnessed that good news to other people. And how those people went and witnessed that good news to other people. If you think about your ancestry... If you think about the people in your family, it's possible that you can think back in your ancestry to think of the first person that may have been a Christian in your family. Maybe it was just a generation ago, maybe a couple generations ago. Maybe it was more than that. Maybe there's been generations upon generations upon generations of people that have been Christians in your family. But it's likely that you know what it's like to have that kind of a heritage of people that spoke the Word of God into your life. People who got that Word of God from Jesus Himself, who went to His disciples, who went to their disciples, to their disciples to their disciples and finally to you so that you could be included by that same all-encompassing grace to be a part of a great heritage of God's grace working in your life and in the lives of people that have led up to you hearing about his grace. And now, it's our turn. It's our turn to be the Pauls and the Lydias. It's our turn to simply witness to the good news that we have done nothing in. That we simply point backwards to the son of God who did everything for us and say, have you heard about this guy? Because I know generations upon generations of Christians in my life who heard about him and it made such a difference in their life and it can make a difference in yours. May you go out there knowing that you bear with you this week the heritage of generations upon generations of Christianity and that you also bear within you the smallest little kernel just like that small little gland from that snail that can leave an indelible mark on somebody else's life. Amen.